0: Today's episode is brought to you by RX Bar. For 25% off your first order, visit rxbar.com slash candy and enter promo code candy at checkout.
1: Hi, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Brain Candy Podcast how's hey, a- it Episode...
0: What the heck? One million! Let's do this! How you doing, Suze? Real good. How about you? Have you uh,
1: recovered from your car accident?
0: <laughs> Thanks for asking. You're the only one. I still have some bruises. Yeah? And my soul is sad. Uh, can you tell people the
1: funny story about when you went to go get a tan?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I went to uh, Bronze Sugar, which is down the road from me in the South Bay, and uh, wanted an airbrush situation.
1: Like gals in California do in the middle of the winter.
0: Yeah, for the holidays. I wanted to be, you know, a bronze goddess. Mm-hmm. But that, the airbrush is when you have an actual human being doing it and you're yes. pretty much naked. Definitely naked. Getting sprayed.
1: Unless you count a hairnet. Yeah. <laughs> Does that count? No, you're naked.
0: Right. hairnet and then like one of those disposable thongs. Yeah. Oh, I don't even wear one of those.
1: You let them spray your vatch? I mean, they don't, but I don't. I don't you think have
0: I, got to be kidding me. I don't think I wear me.
1: underwear. Those little, di- no, I definitely didn't. Why? Why not?
0: Because I wouldn't want this
1: woman to see my vagina. Oh, right after she finished waxing mine? <laughs> The same lady does my waxing and my. It would be kind of funny if I just had my. I was just spread eagle for her and then was like, <laughs> "No, I. I'd like a little modesty."
0: She'd be like, "What the okay. fuck is wrong with you?" I didn't Get know. Out of here. <laughs> I did not know that you did the one-two punch. I do. Got to go for the one-two punch. Hold it. So no. I've never been waxed. <gasps> I want to go sometime though. You
1: don't even need that in your. Oh my god! Get out here. I shave.
0: <sighs> I just. I've never done the waxing. Oh my god.
1: Like and a Brillo pad. I want human Brillo pad.
0: Why can't you shave? Because of the bumps. Yeah. So okay, you go in there. Yes. You have nothing on.
1: Well, and mean, I walk off? in with clothes on because, you know, the law and stuff.
0: <laughs> Do you take your top
1: off? Oh no.
0: Just I'm kind your of pants. it.
1: <laughs> and then she says what? We get in a bunch of fun positions. Like what? I need details. Oh yeah, because you've never done this. Okay, so there's a, a a number four you make with your leg, where you're kind of one leg straight, one leg foot on the thigh, kind yeah. of like you're doing the the sit and reach kind of stretch. Okay. And that's how they get the you know inner thigh in there. And uh, oh, I'm see. I see. What yeah, you're saying. a frog leg. There's like a frog leg move.
0: You have got it's to be got, kidding you know, me! And then you
1: got to flip over and you got to get them.
0: What the bee hole? I mean, you know. I want to know. I want, the, I get the B-hole. They, they wax. I mean,
1: it, you got to just do the whole thing if you're going to well, yeah, go. I mean, you know, yeah,
0: you know, no one's like, here. we're not here to judge. No, I mean. I'm just looking for info. Hopefully
1: she's not there to judge either.
0: I wonder if she enjoys that line of work. It seems like she does.
1: I mean, she seems <laughs> satisfied as I am with the finished product. <laughs> you know, like people who like to pick? And it's like, I think it's in that category where... I told, they were, you know, like all good waxers when I'm just ready to get the F out of there when I'm done. And they'll always come in with tweezers and be like, oh, just this this hair, this hair, this hair. They're like, make sure they got everything. They're, really? They want to get it all. Okay. They'll like, feel your leg, make sure there's nothing that they missed.
0: I feel like, I don't think I've ever seen your vagina, which is weird because I've been naked yeah. around you a lot because <laughs> yeah. we bunked in yeah, the I, same th- I room
1: think I, i'm pretty sure i've seen yours you've seen my vagina i mean like not like like in a frog leg i'm about to wax it position but just like naked. i don't believe you have i think i've seen you're your naked <laughs> i've seen no hair
0: <laughs>
1: is that how keep it
0: yeah no hair uh, not because i prefer it mm-hmm. i like the landing strip but I that's don't. just a lot of work Oh, really? to keep it straight it always ends up crooked
1: (laughs) you've got like a dirt runway landing script that's like not really straight yeah
0: (laughs) it starts to go sideways and i'm like oh forget it i just take it all oh my gosh wait i have so many (laughs) questions this is gonna be a while you might want to fast forward but okay okay. Mm -hmm. so you do you have the runway
1: no right now i I, you're bare uh no i have Full I have a full full bush. I haven't waxed in like months.
0: But when they wax it, it's nothing. What do yeah, they do? I just
1: go and you know, take Did, it. The whole thing. Do they say
0: we can do a design?
1: No, because I usually they ask me what do you want, and I just say that yeah, take it off. Wait, what are the options? I they usually just say Brazilian or bikini, and oh. then once you say Brazilian, is like everything's gone. Bikini, then you get into how wide would you like that you strip have to be? Got to be kidding me. Yeah,
0: this is so awesome. I'm yeah. so into yeah. this story. Yeah. yeah, man. And you always go Brazil.
1: Yeah, because I mean, there's no, just take it all. Yeah, if we're gonna be down there. Just <laughs> might as well get. Well, everything. I feel
0: like your vagina must be different from mine. Really? Yeah, because I think that if you have a vagina that's like a box where everything's all tucked, I up... I don't have that. You have flaps?
1: Yeah, we're like the normal stuff. mm Hmm. Yeah, and you don't mind showing them? Hey. <laughs> you get what you get. It, you should be excited to be seeing a vagina. Yeah, yeah. If you're seeing mine, I like that attitude. And you know what? It's like, look around and look at people. We have a thousand different body shapes. Oh, I believe yeah. you were the one who told me this. To think that all of our vaginas look the same is insane. Our no, bodies no, I don't, don't think look, they look the same. Maybe you weren't the one who said that then. Like the <laughs> We, we the, everyone's gonna look different, so you know some yeah. people have uh, short hair, some people have long hair, some people got short lips, some people got long lips. They're all beautiful. Aw, that's nice, Sarah. Uh, more, the more, the more to kiss. Oh my god!
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, so. Uh, well, anyway, when I was in for
1: my <laughs> yeah, spray tip yeah. Back to the story that we started mm-hmm. with.
0: Uh, she walks in and mm-hmm. I am totally naked <laughs> except for the hairnet and the disposable thong that Sarah does not wear.
1: <laughs> totally <laughs> took that for a left turn. And I had
0: to tell her mm-hmm. that I was not a victim of domestic violence, trigger warning belated, um, mm-hmm. because I have so many bruises all over my body from the accident. Oh, and we had a good laugh about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but oh. I wasn't, I am amazed that when you're naked in that situation, if you do it all the time, it's like no big whoop. No big whoop. Like, I don't care. Yeah. I don't even think about it.
1: It's like more uncomfortable, I think, for the person in the chair than it is for the technician. She
0: seems fine. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, they the fine. The chair, what chair? Well, chair,
1: bed, whatever, wherever you're getting waxed. <laughs>
0: like, This changes The chair, you know. <laughs> Um,
1: yeah,
0: uh, everyone should go to bronze sugar, by the way. It's, oh yeah. They're great. Yeah. If you live in
1: SoCal, you look
0: gorgeous. tell them I sent ya.
1: Yeah, man.
0: Um, what do you want to talk about? Oh man. I mean, you know what I saw that. that I
1: absolutely love and I'm so crazy about. And I think that it's one, it's like the best. What? Star Wars. Really? Yes. Loved it. Loved it. What'd you, what'd you love about it? It is a metaphor for right now. Oh, really? Oh, absolutely. Well, I guess good versus evil is the whole message. More than that, it's like the rebellion against the First Order Hmm. is totally like politics right now. Really? Yes. And I just loved how they really made female characters the heroes and the ones who, and they, they, Made like the white guy who thinks he knows everything. He's like, we gotta attack and we gotta do this and da da da. da. And the women are like, yo, dude, chill. We got this all figured out. And he's like, no, no, but you gotta do this and da da. da. And like, yo, chill. And sure enough, he's wrong and all the ladies are right. And it was so great. And there were so many moments. It definitely passes the special test. Good. And I even know the scene that I feel like they included. To make <laughs> it, so it death. Yes. Really? Uh-huh. Hey, that's And great. you know who you love in this is um Carrie Fisher.
0: Yeah. All right, Love her.
1: But she's so good in it. It's it's great. I loved it.
0: I'm so glad. Uh-huh. I've heard, you know,
1: mixed reviews. I think the mixed reviews come from people who are on the Dudes. other side. The dark side. Yep. Who are like, I don't like this. What's going on here? Really? And there was even a scene where um, the black guy, I can't, I can't remember his name, but he's going to sacrifice himself. Spoiler alert. He's going to sacrifice himself. And right as he's about to sacrifice himself, they a, a girl comes in and like hits his ship and saves him. And she goes, no, we need you in the fight. And I was thinking so much about how maybe there are people in... Uh, communities that are underrepresented who are like i got to like not rebel in a way that's ah uh, it's it's more like use your voice for good and mm-hmm. use your voice use what you have and keep using it because you don't know we don't want to waste you in just some like suicide mission we need you we need you here fighting this fight and we need you you know to be part of this side and your you, who you are matters, and it 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 felt like they they could have just used that as like the token character who then sacrifices himself and then you know that's done, but it instead I felt like it gave power to a person of color in a movie that's in a cool. way and I loved it okay, I just saw good. the whole thing as a metaphor for right now it inspired you and it was so cool. And then they introduced this little character that I'm sure you've seen everywhere called a porg. I've heard about them. And then I became fascinated with, because I was like, man, why are people loving this character? So then I was reading these articles online about it, and it led me into this whole of researching mini-fauna and charismatic megafauna. Okay. I know. Nerd What alert. are you saying? That we as humans have this thing in us where with little things that are adorable... We adore, and it's yeah. we, and it's called charismatic mini fauna, and that stemmed from this term charismatic megafauna, which is what people do. We have this fascination with big animals, with animals that are like hippopotamuses and elephants and pandas, and we love them. And you can see that in our fascination with watching. Panda's birth and every you know they'll like they'll break the internet when a panda has a new baby and da 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 and there was an article in the Atlantic that I read which I'll put in our newsletter that talked about how bizarre that would be for the hunter gatherers and for they're like why are they trying to protect this animal can feed our entire village you why are you guys fighting to protect it like we understand the endangered species portion of it but it's just such a bizarre thing that a uh like we in Western cultures do is we put these animals on pedestals, but at the same time it's wonderful we do because it's led to the protection of these species. But some scientists are mad because <laughs> the, the charismatic megafauna get all the attention. While Why some they of these them that? while some of these other animals that are in dangers are, you know, falling extinct because they're not as cute or not as lovable. I as, get to what you're saying. You know, okay. So they need to be charismatic and we have to make things. So that's why in movies like uh, Pixar movies they made turtles uh, adorable and really friendly and then all of a sudden the donations for turtles um, and saving turtles went way up and so they're trying to incorporate well, yeah, this charismatic true. mini fauna and mega fauna into our preservation of these species. Why and I are you saying
0: cool. mini and mega though?
1: Cuz that's what they call them. So fauna is like a the for like animal, I guess. Yeah. And so mini fauna would be those things that are tiny and adorable that we love, like the porks from Star Wars, which is a made up creature, but yeah. like an adorable little mouse or a little kitty cat. Yeah. And then mega fauna are the big huge ones that we love. So hippopotamus, oh, yeah. giraffe, Rhinoceros, I gotcha. Panda. What we don't seem to care a lot about are the ones that are in the middle who are just kind of like, I'm an animal.
0: I'll tell Save you what.
1: me.
0: You know, this, I would like to say that I was wrong about something. What? Well, I, earlier, I forget what episode it was. Sarah made an announcement about her uh, adoption <laughs> of her new dog. Oh, I can't wait. And I said that I thought that it was like the Duggars having another baby. Mm -hmm. Like, come on. Well, I met Bo, her her dog. Yes. And Bo is a lovely, wonderful creature. Yes. And I am very happy for you. Thanks. I mean, that dog. Oh,
1: she's the best in the whole world. She is so
0: precious. She loves everything. I was wrong.
1: And it's about animals, guys. That's it. We're getting Susie Hamster. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's where I draw the line. (laughs) I was
0: wrong. I'll tell you what I'm not wrong about, though, is how awesome our merch is. I'm not even going to let Sarah talk about it because, you know, she's the designer and I'm the one that should be doing the bragging. We have so much good stuff now. We have a couple versions of the Steminist stuff. We have the Stop Being Polite gear, which proceeds of that are going to pave, which... Uh, is an amazing organization that Sarah and I work with, and we have the adorable leggings for kids and adults that have our like lollipop design on it. I mean, there's a lot of stuff, and if you order it from our candy store on our website, thebraincandypodcast.com, it's going to be shipped to you via stamps.com. The reason is because it's a freaking great service, and we're able to ship all that stuff right from our desk, and. We get discounts on postage, and that's why we think you would love it, too. We use Stamps.com because it's easy, it's convenient, it's reliable and efficient, and there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't be using it, too. Right now, you can enjoy Stamps.com with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale, I mean, that's how you get a happy new year. You go to stamps.com, you click on the microphone, and at the top of the homepage, you type in brain candy. That's stamps.com and enter brain candy. And that way you can ship whatever you want, packages, letters, blah, 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 right from your desk and you don't have to leave your house. It's fantastic. All right. Yes. Um, Did you see that thing that went viral about people that... Would go to museums and would see their doppelgangers in the art. No. Like, you go to the Met or whatever, yeah. and then you look in the portrait, and it, like, Looks is identical like you. to
1: you. It is so funny. Well, I saw somebody post a picture of a Sweet Valley High <laughs> book cover, and I was like, holy shit, that's me and Susie. What did you think? I thought it was us. I thought somebody had made that a custom job, and somebody had commissioned that to be us, and it made me feel really weird. <gasps> Scroll through these. Oh, my gosh. These are so cool. Oh, my. I get, I'm get, i
0: getting chills. And so, like, what? it's really fun because, first of all, it's getting... Oh, my God. This <laughs> is so great. I wish you guys could see them, but since you can't, I'll describe it. They're modern-day people, obviously, yes. going to museums, and they look up, and the person in the portrait from hundreds of years ago yeah. is their doppelganger.
1: And, I mean, they they really look alike, even down to the hair,
0: And it's not just one or two, like there's, there's lots of them. Oh my God, this is so great. One, and it's getting people really excited about art and looking and seeing the people in the pictures as the same as you.
1: And here's- Oh, I love
0: that. Something that's interesting though, that I hadn't thought of, and you wouldn't if you're a white person, is that- Uh, People of color often can't look at the art and see their doppelganger because there just isn't a lot of um, art from way back that features people of color.
1: That aren't in a role that's a slave, servant, something like
0: that. Yeah, and even those, there's just not as many. But you can follow on Twitter at Medieval POC, which is people of color, um, and they tweet artwork of people of color. So you can look through those as well. But I think it's fun when art can come to life like that. Yeah. And a lot of times, because we're narcissists, you know, inherently, it takes being able to see yourself mm-hmm. in something for you to be interested in it. Not you, just people, humans.
1: Yeah. Totally. Yeah.
0: But whatever That's works. That's kind of,
1: uh-huh. To tie it back in to my first part of this uh, uh, episode... That's why people love the charismatic mini fauna, because they remind us of adorable babies. Yeah. Because the eyes are big in proportion to the rest of their body. And so things that remind us of our young that we want to nurture and take care of it, will have a closer place to in our heart.
0: Yeah. So, I mean the good thing though is that it's always great when people care about art. And
1: I went to learn uh, more about it. the Met recently.
0: Oh, we know.
1: Yeah. You told us you're
0: an expert.
1: <laughs> And one of the, the pictures that I found most fascinating was a portrait of Michelangelo by another artist. And it almost looks unfinished. And the only thing that they did finish was his face and then his left hand. And I thought it was so beautifully done because it shows that the things that are really important, that was his the hand that he painted with, was he was a lefty. And so it shows like that's what's important. And But they... What was really interesting is the expression in the eyes in this portrait looked almost identical to the expression in the self-portrait done by Van Gogh of himself, the one where he has like the ear chopped off. Yeah. And it almost looks like that fine line between genius and insanity, like the look is a little funky. Yeah, And I was like, man, you go around and look at the portrait of these artists and even portraits done by themselves or by other people all had this kind of similar stare Mm. that I thought was so interesting and so next time you take a look at a portrait of an artist like either whether it's a self portrait or you know one that somebody else did take a look and look for that expression because I think it's in more than just a few
0: oh man yeah, it's kind of cool do you ever see that in people on the street Hmm. because I'm wondering like you know when you see a kind of person you're like oh something's weird there do they have that same look in their (sighs) eye or no
1: you know what? I don't know. I've never really thought about it. But I did, once I saw it in a kid who was really, um, uh, like, over the top and really energetic and really, like, a performer. But there was there's just something where I'm like, I'm, I think that this Some may turn in. into something different when this kid's an adult.
0: Mm. You know? You know what's weird, though? You know how that happened to Amanda Bynes?
1: I sure do. <laughs> now
0: laughing. I can't be my
1: she can't be my arch nemesis because I just straight feel bad for her.
0: We're laughing because uh, Amanda Bynes used to be Sarah's yeah. arch enemy because yeah. they went to school together growing uh-huh. up, but she was you know this dynamic yeah. um, child star and totally had just the best sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And then everyone watched as she sort of spiraled. And you talked about how certain types of mental illness come out, emerge in a person in about the mid-20s. Yes. And it seems like that's what Mm -hmm. happened there.
1: Exactly what happened. And Mm -hmm. I think that those, often though, the people who inevitably develop some sort of psychosis down the line do have this gift of being connected to almost like a fantasy world. Where Creatives. If, yeah, creative yeah. world. And I think if you get lost in there, if you don't have the social support, if yeah. you don't have the almost like uh emotional infrastructure, I don't even know if that's what you would like a but then it becomes easier to get lost down that path and not know how to get back.
0: I didn't see that like what I wanted to know is did you
1: suspect something was amiss? I didn't see mm. anything In her... I did one time when I saw her in public when we were kids with her sister and her dad. Hmm. And I saw how her sister behaved and it was almost the flip, the the mirror image of that. Like instead of being over the top, her... her, I remember we were standing in line to see a movie. I want to say it was Titanic too. I even remember that. I remember where it was, everything... Um, the Jan's Marketplace in Thousand Oaks. And, uh, (laughs) you're so weird. And I remember thinking, even, even having enough awareness at that time to be like, wow, there's something going on because I feel like hers is an overcompensation in the, like being, a. Having too much emotion, and like the, the pendulum swings in both directions, and I felt like it's it swung to the you saw the positive in Amanda, and then you saw the negative in her younger sister. At least in this
0: mm-hmm.
1: small, short interaction that I had with them, and I felt really icky vibes from the dad. Huh? But I have no—that's all I know. This is just my right. one personal like Anecdote. anecdotal story that huh. about. Well, you there know. you go. So I'd be interested to see what that you know.
0: Right. right. No. We don't know. We don't we know. Don't. I'll tell you what I do know. I love RX Bar. And I'm like kind of in love with the fact that it's so simple. It's these really wonderful whole food protein bars that you can take with you on the go, which is super convenient. And they're made with 100% whole ingredients. It's like right on the front of the package. It's like, Egg whites, dates, nuts, no BS. And, uh, you know, obviously brain candy is all about no BS. And that's truly what is in these bars, but they taste so good and they have 11 different flavors. So whatever your taste buds enjoy, sweet or savory, chocolate, fruit, whatever you're into, there's an RX bar for you, it's great for breakfast on the go, snack at the office, just throw in your purse for whenever you're stuck in freaking traffic, like we are in LA, um, or in your backpack, going to school, whatever. It is such a great thing to take with you, and it's healthy, and like they say, they have no BS. So you can get, for our listeners, they're giving 25% off your first order when you go to RX. Bar.com slash candy and enter promo code candy at checkout. And they freaking taste as good as candies, but they are good for you. No sugar added. Um, so do that. Go to rxbar.com slash candy and just enjoy. Use promo code candy at checkout.
1: What else do you want to talk about? I know you have a little list. I do. You know what? I saw a video that I think you have seen too that what? I thought was so fascinating. Was the spread of names oh, over yeah. time? Yeah. Did you see this? Yes. What do you? What did so you like was, about I it? I think it was on Vox. Yeah. Yeah. We'll it put was. the link up in our in our newsletter. But mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting to see. So how, this was in the
0: U.S. Yes, it was yeah. in the
1: U.S. It started in 1960, I believe. Let me get my little dirt.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yes,
1: it was in. And when it first started. The number one name for women was Mary. Yeah, Mary. And then it was Lisa and I thought it was really interesting, you know, I was kind of I was going in with the expectation or like the hypothesis that It would start on the East and West Coast. The popular names were in the big cities. That would be cool. And then it would kind of trickle into more of the suburbs or, you know, the more rural areas. Mm -hmm. Totally the opposite.
0: Right. Totally the opposite. It's weird though, just to, not to derail you, but do you remember that book, Freakonomics? Yeah, 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 yeah. They talked about how names tended to be embraced by rich people, which, you know, you associate with like the coastal elites. Yeah, that's... And then that... Um, lower socioeconomic groups would then t- take those names, hoping that their kid would be a... Uh, so it really kind of contradicts
1: that. I wonder if they accounted for the uh, pop culture.
0: Mm-hmm. Because
1: I feel like the names that came up for... The names that that stood out to me were ones... and And when a name became really popular, it started to spread from the middle of the country... Outward, and they were names. The one that really, I mean, was the obvious one was 2002. Emma became the most popular name, which lasted till 2011. Right, and that was because of Friends. Right, wasn't that the baby's name? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh my god, maybe it's the people in, you know, I don't want to say rural America because they're not all rural America, well, but the more fly small state, the flyover states. That's a better name for it. Um, maybe they did kind of do. That, but they saw the celebrities on TV as the ones who are those...
0: Trendsetters, trend, kind like, of. Like,
1: you know, the popular, cool, whatever. Yeah. And I feel like it's obviously, this shows you it's more women who are in charge of what the baby's name is than
0: the did. <laughs> well, to be fair, though, the at least the video I saw was only girls' names.
1: No, there was another one with the boys that came oh. right afterwards. Jason was the most popular for a long time. Or no, Jacob was the most popular for almost... Half, But half of the time, yeah, like 30 years yeah, or so. And then the other one, then Jason started.
0: Yeah, but see, that to me shows that women name the girls oh, and men name the yes. boys because they yes. tend to name them after their parent as well, like Michael and um Oh my God, Anthony. that's totally right. Yeah.
1: That's why it wasn't as big of a change in the boy name and girl name. Right. Because they're naming them after... A <gasps> lot
0: more. There's a lot more of that. Dude, that's a really good observation. Yeah. Because, I mean... There's a whenever you're a person that's into baby names, and like if you're naming your baby, you kind of look yeah, up the charts, yeah, yeah, and you do start to see, oh, okay, oh my gosh, that makes so
1: much sense.
0: Yeah, there's a lot more fluctuation amongst um girls' names, but recently though, that's changed because I think we were talking maybe privately, I never know what was on the air, me neither, off, never, let's talk about, about everything. How, this new thing where, including me, people name their kids after the last names of men. Yes. Like Lincoln is Abraham's last name. Mm-hmm. And um, they end in the letter N. So now there's almost every boy in the class of this age ends in an N. So, you know, you got your Jaden, Braden, Mason, <laughs> Lincoln, Robinson, Robinson. Um, yeah, I know I know one named wow, Robinson and he was named after Jackie Robinson, yeah. so it's like a last name again, uh-huh.
1: you know. Interesting. They call him Robbie. I wonder when the ne- what the next name trends are going to be. Cuz I know Olivia was a big popular one because of Scandal. Oh. And especially for African American moms who were naming their kids like she was the she's a great character, Olivia Pope from Scandal, uh-huh. and she's like a really strong female Black woman character that's like on the show and it's great. And now I know a ton of babies named Olivia.
0: Yeah, well, and there's this thing where everyone wants their baby's name to be original and uh, unique. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how long that will go. Because mm-hmm. to me now, if you want to do something different, name your son John.
1: Yeah, right. Or something like that. We're. I think we'll, we will see a, uh, a return backlash. to yeah to a more classic naming.
0: Right, but for now I keep seeing like old-timey names. Yeah. Like Alice. Like maybe
1: Mary's going to come back around.
0: I do love the name Mary. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. And like they were saying, it's a classic.
1: And Mary's not a bitch. Mary's nice. You mean- Like in my head, if I just think of a Mary, she's not mean.
0: I did a tweet last night in the middle of the night that I since deleted, (laughs) but it was that if somebody says to you- you look like a Sarah. It's never a compliment. Whatever oh. your name is, if they say, you look like a Susie, oh, I know that okay. that's not like a compliment. And I can't think of an exception to that. Let me think. Like, I've never looked at someone and said, you look like a, and I meant it as like, and that means only good things. <laughs> huh. Cause it's usually steeped in whatever their yeah. mythology about that name is. You yeah. look like a Nancy.
1: Yeah. Whatever. Uh-huh. That's my theory. That's good. I'm going to think about that next do time somebody see, reminds me. Do, do people ever say
0: to you, you look like a Sarah? Uh,
1: no. They tell me I look like every other celebrity that they like. Oh, because you know, yeah. when you got one of those faces, you don't look like Sarah. You the look like- The
0: funniest thing though oh, was a yes! over the holidays yes. when we were together and Sarah's brother was there and he came down the steps and I was like, hey, Jordan. And he was like, you look so much like my sister. It's scary. <laughs> that was his greeting. Yes. And I think it's because he thought for a second that I was you. He probably did. And we were saying, we see this and mm-hmm. think this all the time, mm-hmm. but nobody else sees Not it. Not
1: one person except my brother has ever <laughs> commented on it. Right. They're like, oh, you guys look like sisters.
0: But everyone thinks you look like Reese Witherspoon and everyone mm-hmm. thinks I look like Reese Witherspoon, yep. but no one for different for reasons.
1: Yep. You from, for your chin, me for <laughs> my, my eyes, or nose. No, your
0: teeth. Teeth. It is for sure those chompers. Chompers. Because they're so straight. <laughs> I what? have that snaggle. I, I, the sharp incisors. Like a dog. I got those too. No, ears are straight. Oh, shut, shut up it. about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wait, what else did I want to say?
1: Hmm, What else did you want to say? Well, we have a guest. Oh, yay. Who are we talking to?
0: Uh, she's an author of a book called Hello Flow the guide period.
1: Ah.
0: Her name is Nama Bloom and she's the founder of Hello Flow. And basically this book is so awesome because it of course is about, you know, periods and all that jazz, mm-hmm. but it's uh includes a lot of like historical context oh, cool. who, you know, how the all this stuff came to be in what countries and, and it's like hip and this is fun and oh, cute drawings and perfect illustrations for little girls or older girls. If you were never taught, I think a lot of us were never freaking taught.
1: A lot of us were never taught things like
0: the female reproductive system. It's like, Oh, that's how it works. Uh-huh. Cause nobody mentioned that. To right. Me. Do you remember like in school when you yes, had, of course I do. Oh my God. How bad was it?
1: I remember I them separating the girls and boys and us uh, yeah. sitting there and watching a video about your body. Mm-hmm. And that was in sixth grade. And all it really did was tell me about putting deodorant on my underarms, is like the only takeaway. Well, hey, nobody said. That's important. Though. I know. Nobody said. <laughs> I wish more said, kids uh, were taught that. Like, nobody talked about cramps or mood swings or. Yeah. Things, the only thing I really got, the education I got was from the book, Are You There, Goddess Me, Margaret. Right. That was everybody. Right. And then you had to like hide the book cover so no boys knew you're reading it because they'd be like, ew, you're reading about periods. Right. Really, I think boys should be the one reading about that.
0: Yeah, they really should because they still don't know Jack, S-H-I-T.
1: Right. Okay, well, you know, that's my experience, but. What was yours? You had like a completely different childhood upbringing.
0: Well, right. So I went to... Other
1: side of the country.
0: (laughs) I went to a Christian school. Right. Where sex and like body stuff was a a particular shame. And like, you know, steeped in sin. There's a lot of like, it's more than just about your body. It's Mm -hmm.
1: about hell. And you could feel that.
0: Yeah. Because they weren't subtle. They just said it. starters, they named the... The class that we had to go to, Created in Love.
1: Okay. Okay. Like. What
0: did they start
1: with? Info.
0: Okay. We had to watch this video starring. Oh, no. The the girl that played Annie in the musical Annie. (gasps) What? (laughs) I don't know what her name is in real life at this, off the top of my head. That's an old video. Right. And this was, okay, so this would have been like ninety you know, 91 or whatever. And, but even then it was like,
1: that's an old video.
0: <laughs> right. And she was like, and I get my period. And I, ba, ba, boo, boo. and then they, <laughs> the saddle <sun'll> come out. <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, our pastor's wife had to lead the whole discussion oh, about no. hair
1: down there. God. And is there any them. book where that's not the title of the chapter?
0: <laughs> hair.
1: The hair down, down
0: there. there. And my mom, before that, had given me a book called... And she just, like, handed it to me in oh, shame. No. It was called Almost 12. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> also, right. that one g- n- guy who lost the race for Senate's favorite book. Roy Moore? Roger Moore? Right. Probably his favorite book, too. Roy Moore. Roy Moore.
0: Right. It's very popular in the pedo mm-hmm. community. Oh, my God. And, um, you know... Then there was another book called by James Dobson, who was an evangelical leader. Oh the God. book was called Preparing for, for Adolescence. And I didn't even know how to say that word. I called it Preparing for, for scene. Oh, my, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, my experience was there was a lot of shame involved.
1: And what about using a tampon? Were you allowed to do that? Absolutely not. Right.
0: I didn't use a tampon until I was 20. Holy And I went molly. on road rules <gasps> when I was 18. You were patting it up? On and I had to just hope that we didn't have a swimming right. um, mission yeah. because I couldn't use tampon.
1: But don't you fret because from what I hear, and I, then I started actually listening to this rule or, or whatever, your period does, kind of stops when you're in the water.
0: That is false.
1: Have you had an, an experience, yeah. an accident? Yeah. Oh my God, it's been like the opposite for me. It was, like, easier when I stopped wearing tampons when I was swimming.
0: Um, well, I, maybe your body's, like, awesome. What? You had an emergency? I had the red bathing suit. Oh! I'm so sorry. Maybe you can't see it when you're in the water because it just kind of comes out and goes into the water, which is disgusting. Oh, that's gross. But then as soon as you get out, there it is. Sarah, this has turned mm. into a real dark place. Yeah. But I'm just saying like...
1: Maybe yeah. it's a period myth that I've been li- Got to read that book, man. Yeah. I still don't know. Yeah, look, like, we're flipping plus. through. Let's like, well, check the book to see what it says.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I to, to think that I went on that show... Wow. Not knowing how to use a tampon. Uh, and my friend on the show, Piggy had to, like after we were done, I told her she bought a box and like tried to teach me, and I still couldn't get the hang of it. Yeah. And I was like, ah, it hurts.
1: VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
2: As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop.
1: Learn more at meta.com/slash metaverse impact. I pretty much learned, it's like I I learned how to ride a bike on a motorcycle because my first experience with anything was one of those OB no applicator tampons. Oh, yeah, man. It was like freestyle, get it up there, figure it out.
0: That's probably a good way to start though because you use your finger and you can (gasps) feel your body better.
1: Okay. You know what I mean? That's really smart. Because
0: I used that exclusively for 10 years.
1: Yeah. And now I do have a good relationship with my vagina.
0: And you know how long it is, what's going on in there, or I should say deep. Yes. You know what I mean? So maybe that's not a bad thing.
1: Mine's pretty shallow.
0: I've heard.
1: Yeah. Who's telling you?
0: Your husband talks about it and thinks it's (laughs) super
1: funny. (laughs) Uh, We're too close.
0: Okay. (laughs) But that's enough of that, Shanann.
1: I heard a male... uh, doctor discuss a, he, he went into researching cramps because he's like, man, this field really isn't studied. And he said that, uh, that cramps that women experience during their period can be worse than a heart attack. Right. And we said, know. No, I know. That's what I said. I'm like, yeah, you're Especially t- you, you me terrible. Yeah. But nobody wants to research that. Here's so.
0: some trivia for you. Oh, oh, cool. The first person to say period on TV <gasps> was Courtney Cox during a Tampax ad in 1985.
1: What? Yes. Damn. Can you believe that? No. That's a long time to go without saying that word.
0: In the 15th century, pubic hair was trendy because people were taking mercury to combat syphilis and mercury made your hair fall out. Thus, the merkin was invented, <gasps> a pubic hair wig.
1: Also the name for my husband's garage band from college, Black Merkin. Okay. The one that played at my wedding.
0: That's weird.
1: I know. <laughs> but they're hilarious. It's
0: interesting though that like, you know, people wanted to have pubic hair because if they didn't, it was sign- a sign they were syphilitic. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Every day I'm oh, man.
1: Could you imagine that? Yeah, it's real. No hair on the vajay is a sign of venereal disease. It's a
0: real turn off.
1: Yeah, not so much these days.
0: Right. Hmm. Um, And then they have like period management throughout history. Ancient Egypt, women used soft papyrus tampons. Ancient Rome, women used wool tampons. Oh,
1: that makes my vagina hurt just thinking about it.
0: Ancient Japan, women used paper tampons held in place with a bandage and changed them 10 to 12 times per day. Oh, my God. Anyway,
1: I loved it. you'd think we would come up with
0: better ways. I think the book is so great because it's, it's very relatable. It's very accessible. Even for me I learned a lot when I looked through it because it was like there was a lot of that history stuff and here's us well, talk about
1: the brain, the, the prefrontal. Here's Cortex. what's going
0: on, here's why you feel like you feel. Yeah. I really love it and her mission is really special and we talked about how you know, just having access to products is such a privilege mm-hmm. in the western world. And that globally, that is still something that can prevent you from getting an education. You know, if you don't have access to tampons, you can't go to school. Yeah. Oh, my God. So I, I think it's real important. But it's also just a fun book. And if you have a daughter or a son and you want to teach them about this stuff, or if you just want to brush up, Nama Bloom's Hello Flow, the guide, period, is great. And talking to her was great. And I know you guys are going to love her. So welcome to the show (laughs) okay welcome again we tried this the first time and technology was not on our side but congratulations on your book
2: thank you again i shall
0: say um hello flow the guide period and you talk about all things girly with regards to puberty and our bodies and what the heck's going on and thank heavens
2: you did this Thank I'm so you. glad. I mean, what took us so long? You know, it's funny because I, um, I've obviously been talking about this topic for like six years now ad nauseum. So um, <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about like, why yeah. is it just now that periods are having their moment and that we're talking about this differently? Um, and I think like, we're still a really closed off culture, but there are, we're chipping away. You know, we're chipping away at this idea of like sugar and spice and everything nice for girls and acknowledging that our bodies actually, you know, do things that aren't necessarily like roses. Um, (laughs) So you
0: mentioned even in the book how the garden...
2: Yes. The garden metaphors. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. So like we start this book, the first line in this book, I think I have it here, but the first line is like, there's no such thing as clean underwear. (laughs) And it was like, you know, if I'm going to write a book yeah. talking about puberty, I want to be like as straightforward as and honest as I can be because even though I grew up in this incredibly open household with a really open mother, like I remember being totally horrified and embarrassed about discharge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was gross. Yeah. I didn't think it was everyone's thing. I thought it was maybe just like me. Yeah. Um, And I don't know, like when I, I got married when I was 34 and tried to get pregnant at 35 the first time. And I read this book, Taking Charge of Your Fertility. And she explains with discharges and that it's and she calls it cervical fluid. And she explains that it has this whole like other, you know, has a purpose. And I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) like this is like mind blowing. I've been like living my life embarrassed of this like substance that I actually now desperately am tracking in (laughs) order to get pregnant.
0: Right. It's so important, but you hadn't even really known about it until you're...
2: Yeah, you feel like embarrassed about it. I forget, what's that movie with Jenny Slate where she ends up (laughs) having the abortion? I forget what it is. But she... like there's a there's a thing where she has a hookup or she or she's like a stand up comedian she talks about crusty underwear and I was like oh my gosh like no Thank one <laughs> is, like people don't do this it was so revolutionary and it was just a few years ago.
0: Well, whenever you were growing up, you had this awesome mom who was okay with talking about stuff. What did she talk to you about, like, and how did it get approached?
2: Well, so you know it's interesting because like I remember I had the book What's Happening to Me, um, which Like in hindsight, doesn't do a whole lot, but you know, it wasn't so much that she ever sat me down and spoke to me about it, but, um, she didn't hide anything about her body Mm -hmm. to me. So she kind of made it like, it's all normal. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, like, I don't actually even remember anyone talking to me about this is what your first period will be or this is what it is. But I knew she had a period and I had a sister who was three years older than me. So, like, when she got it, I was aware of it. Um, and then when my when I was 12, so before I got my first period, my parents got divorced and I ended up living in the house, me, my mom and my sister. So it was like, you know, three females in a house and everything was just, like, open. Um, So it wasn't so much that I was educated about it. I just wasn't made to feel shameful of it. Which is so great. Just that part alone. Are you
0: here, like over the years that you've been involved in this movement, have you heard uh, how the rest of us were raised?
2: Yeah. And you know, what's so interesting is like, there are a lot of parents who are talking to their kids and there are a lot of like grownups who did have conversations. But I think that the way that we have these conversations where we like separate out girls and boys, or we like, you know, it's this like quick, like hushed, secretive conversation. I think people did it as a way to show like, I'm respecting your privacy. But the reality is what that did is made people feel like it was something to be embarrassed about. Yeah. And like, that's why like, I wanted to be really bold uh, with like the videos I made and the book. Like the thing about the book is it says the everything puberty book for the modern girl. Most of these books in the marketplace don't have the word puberty on the cover.
0: Stop it. Yeah. Why do you think? And we
2: had a whole debate, my publisher and I, about whether or not we could have the word puberty or does it have to be called a body book or like... What what is your feeling? Like what, why? Well, I wanted puberty on there because I was like, that's what this book is about. I mean, we have the word period, but the book isn't about just periods. It's about like the social and cultural and historical experience of what it is to be a girl and a woman today going through this change. Um, And I was like, it just seemed like calling it a body book was another layer in the shaming, like that we can't even talk about it. Yeah. Um, So, yeah.
0: I mean, it's so funny whenever you're a person like you are now and, and how I am where you just talk about whatever and there's no censor, it's hard to believe that culturally there's this pervasive thing where... Everything is so stigmatized and so formalized. And you wouldn't think that that would go with American culture because we're supposedly so out there with everything. But man, it's like the last thing that is so shameful.
2: Well, and it's not even just like, yeah, we're so out there with everything. I had this conversation yesterday, but like, you know, there's a whole chapter in the book about pubic hair. Yeah. Because here's something that like, is really confusing for a kid, right? They're developing pubic hair. But then they see all of these images and while they may not be on pornography, there's no way that they don't know that there are some women who are removing all their pubic hair. Yeah. And like then they're like, wait, do I have a, is this something I just have to do? <laughs> I'm like, why don't I, why, why do I have it if I'm not supposed to? And that became really clear when I was um, writing this book. And I was thinking about this. My friend told me that her daughter, when she was 12 years old, came back from sleepaway camp one summer and said, mommy, how come none of my counselors have pubic hair? Wow! am like, how do you explain to a child who has only stained your body, Yeah, right? Like, how do you explain, well, um, first of all, like, no one's going to see your pubic hair for a really long time, I hope, right? I... But even if they do, you get to do whatever you want. And the history of women removing their hair has is like long and lengthy and goes back to the Egyptian time, like ancient Egypt.
0: That's one of my favorite things about your book is that there's so much historical context, but it's very accessible and Mm -hmm. anyone could relate to it. And there's pictures and graphics of, you know, sort of what was in style or or culturally accepted at different times in history. Mm -hmm. It's so educational, which is why, you know, the book is great for younger people or for women that are just like wanting to know more.
2: Yeah, I mean the history thing and the um, was important because, like this pubic hair as as an example is like if you understand contextually that it's actually just fashion and trend, yeah. and that that people have been telling women what to do with their bodies since the dawn of time, then you can say I. I will choose to do this or I will choose not to. And you'll understand it as a choice you have.
0: I feel like I'm at church right now. This is so good. (laughs) That is like preaching to me. I love it.
2: But I think that what's like our problem and it's like between the pubic hair, it's between like sexy Halloween costumes. I'm all for sexy Halloween costumes. If you have a choice and you're choosing to be sexy or not, just like I'm all for if you want to remove your pubic hair. All the power to you, but don't think you have no choice but to do it. Yeah, and that's the i that's what this book is really all about. And it's the same like you can't control your breast size, um, but like. If you want larger breasts, know that if larger breasts are in fashion right now, they haven't always been in fashion. And like, you know, in 30 years, everyone might be like, oh, I wish I had these like small breasts that I could wear these like little strappy tank tops with no bras. Like you kind of never know. And so there's always something you could compare yourself with and say, I'm not in fashion or I shouldn't feel good about myself. But these things are all fleeting. And when you take a step back and you look at hundreds of years, you can see that they're fleeting. Yeah. But when you're in it and you're 12 and your body's changing and you're like, I have no control, you need someone to tell you that.
0: Yeah. I remember the first time that I've ever even learned about sort of that women, some women shave their pubic hair was by listening to Howard Stern when I was 14. And he, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my God, I have to shave all my pubic hair off because Howard. <gasps> Says that that's what's sexy and beautiful, and only as an adult was I like, oh, that's so fucked up. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Completely. completely. Well, also because like historically, like no pubic hair came from pornography, right? So it's also like, first of all, our bodies grow hair, so like hair is the most natural thing, but the trend came from pornography and has moved into the mainstream because pornography has become so mainstream. But if you look at most pornography, it's like designed with a male gaze. It's not designed around women's enjoyment and women's pleasure. And like, I've spoken to a lot of younger women, like not puberty age, but in their twenties and like about this, the topic of pubic hair, because I I've done it all right. Like I I've tried, tried both, but I'm like, if you're not doing this, if you're doing this because you're worried a man is going to reject you for this, like I have news for you. That is not a man you want in your bedroom because there's a lot of other stuff. Like he's not going to know about how to treat you and like move on. Yeah. Um, And these are
0: conversations that are just It's so important to have and a lot of people aren't talking about it.
2: Maybe more now, of course, but... I think so. And like, you know, obviously the book is written for younger girls and it's not about sex and all of those issues. But like, I think it's the same themes we have to be aware of, right? Is like, you do you for your body. You get to choose how you want to go through this world. And if you understand things in context... It'll help you make a better decision, you know, so it's like, but it pertains well beyond puberty, no question.
1: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career.
0: The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need.
1: Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash impact. Whenever you've
0: been talking about the book and this issue with um, younger girls, Mm -hmm. what are their concerns? Like, what are the things that they're telling you that they're not maybe telling their folks
2: um, you know, well, the biggest questions girls have are more like they're very much about myself, right? Mm. Like, when am I going to get my period? Am I going to get breasts? How do I ask my mom for a razor if I want to shave? How do I ask my mom for a push up bra? Wow. You know, these are like, they don't know how to do this, right? Like, they're new, or even just like the basics. How do I use the tampon? How do I ask my mom for tampons instead of pads? Like my mom gives me pads. I'm ready to use a tampon. You know, there's like, there's some, it's super tactical. Yeah. So like, so there are a lot of really tactical things, but then there's the emotional stuff. There's like the friend stuff and my friends all have their period and I don't, or I'm the first to have my period and they don't. And I'm embarrassed. Like, I feel like one of the things I've noticed a lot, um, So younger girls are wearing bras now, but like more like they're like little sports bras. They're to hide the breast buds. Like they don't want people to see that their nipples are developing. And you know what? I get it. Like I remember being a kid and not wanting people to notice that, you know? Right. Um, So they have like very immediate concerns. They're not worldly concerns yet, you know? And
0: I notice, and I think this is changing too, but if you like go to a normal store, for example, Target and the girls section, the clothes are styled very differently and the shirts are quite tight and form fitting. And so those developments aren't easy to hide when the boys shirts are quite baggy and it's a
2: problem. Yeah. So we, um, I did this event in New York for a group of moms of fourth grade girls, and I invited this young woman to come who's 18, and she actually is in the book. She's, uh, She gave a bunch of the testimonials, and she's like this incredibly articulate young woman, and she was in part the inspiration for why Hello Flow was focused around puberty because her mother is a very close friend, and um, so she came to this event I did and the moms had all these questions and one of the things she said to them was and she she's she's buxom, right? She has breasts, she's tall, she she has a womanly body, right? <laughs> I mean she's eighteen now, but she had one early. And she said that she used when she used to see family friends of her parents when she was going through puberty everyone would be like oh my gosh look how much you've grown you're turning into such a young woman and in her head she was like they all <laughs> notice i have boobs <laughs> like she's like they're looking at my boobs i'm so embarrassed everyone sees i have boobs and it's so interesting cuz like i i hadn't really thought about that even in writing this book but like That's something that, of course, you say to kids when you haven't seen them in a while because they have grown up and they (laughs) do look older. Yeah. But it actually highlights the thing that they might be feeling most awkward about. Yes. Um, And, you know, it's like about finding the empathy and trying to remember what it was like to have pimples and breast buds and like feeling really awkward and, you know, braces and the whole bit, you know. It ain't pretty. I mean, it's not pretty and you know <laughs> it's not when you're going through it and you really don't want people to comment on it. You want to be like it, doing it in privacy. And you know, one of the things the book talks about a lot is like, it feels sometimes like your body is betraying you. Like it's yeah. not letting you just go through this moment in privacy and that's all you want. Right. But, but, and it's weird
0: because even though everyone in your grade or your age is going through similar things, it can
2: feel very lonely. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, look, the other thing is, if you look, you know, I read a bunch of um middle grade and young adult fiction while like before That's writing this so cuz nice. I wanted to like understand the mindset. And um, you know, all of those books are really about the girl who feels awkward <sighs> and like not part of the crowd, but really like everyone is feeling awkward and yeah. you know, it's interesting cuz that's what it feels like. And I, in reading those books, you remember like that really is you, everyone feels personally like the outcast, even if they're like the most popular girl in school, like even she's insecure and it's embarrassed.
0: Right. Well, one thing that's been encouraging is that I've noticed this book has a, you know, a pretty Western feel, Mm -hmm. but the issue has become a global one. Absolutely. And I feel like it's getting more attention. Thank heavens where mm-hmm. people are realizing that the stigma in other cultures can be even worse and in
2: ruin your life and education, mm-hmm. etc Do you talk about that at all? Whenever you speak to groups there? Um, yeah, you know, there's also even a section in the book where it's called, I think you're luckier than, you know, um, mm-hmm. if I remember the section title, but it's actually all about how, um, you know, there are, girls in other countries who like, first of all, they don't even have access to the products to take care of their period, right? Like it's not like pads and underwear and all that stuff are easily accessible all over the world. So there is like that whole thing. Um, and you know, like if we think like in terms of like the hierarchy of needs in our life, you know, it's like water, food, all that kind (laughs) of stuff. We are in this country so far, or many of us are, I mean, there are people who are in extreme poverty here, but we're like in a different place of need. Right. Um, and it is hard, uh, to think about, um, you know, the differences and it's, you know, we're, we are incredibly fortunate. And I assume that most of the girls who are going to be given this book are, are actually very fortunate, um, because they have access to someone who's providing this for them. And that means that they probably have access to conversation and, you know, materials that they need. But, um, you know, we did want to make a point of explaining that, like, that's not everyone. Yeah, you're lucky.
0: And I'm so glad that things seem to be changing, at least in terms of the conversation and maybe the resources that are being supplied to Mm -hmm. those women. Um, is there anything as you've talked about your book that you wish that people would ask or focus on that they haven't?
2: Um, you know, the thing that, um, people sort of uh touch on but we haven't i haven't spent a lot of time when people when i've had these interviews and stuff is you know the last chapter is all about friendship Mm. um and it's like you know i it's about like the power of sisterhood basically Mm. and i put that in there um because i remember being a little shit when i was going through (laughs) this and um i remember both being the like ditcher and being the person who was ditched. And, you know, after being ditched, you realize, oh my gosh, it was so terrible what I did and I will never do that again. And I will treat my friends differently. And, um, but when you're the one who's ditched, it's terrible. And this happens a lot, you know, and I wanted girls when they're feeling that way to know that on the other side of it, it gets so much better. And these like female friends are really valuable. And, you know, I do think that the reason why kids can be so awful at this age is because the hormones are going crazy and their brain development and everyone just feels bad. So they're not being as kind as they could be. Um, But it was so important for me to end the book with like a message of, your female friends are so critical and they're going to get you through your life. And it's an important thing to remember because, you know, it, not everyone feels that in the moment. And, and I just, I feel like there's so much like mean girl yeah, uh, discussion out there mm-hmm. and there isn't. and while, And we touch on it for sure. And I tell my own personal story at the back of the book. I also wanted girls to understand that like, mean girl is not a trope that you have to live by. God,
0: isn't that great? I'm so glad that you say that because I've been so encouraged watching the community around our show, the listeners, how they treat each other and how they listen to each other and just support each other. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, "This, this whole competitive thing doesn't have to be and maybe isn't as common as we say, you
2: know? Yeah. Or, or maybe it was more so and it's like, we're evolving yeah, or, man. you know, I mean, I think like everything that's going on in the news today, it's like women supporting women, you know, and women understanding that we have to like band together to make progress. And, I I think that we, like a lot of our TV shows and movies and books and everything, it's like this mean girl trope over and over and over again. And like, even like I talk to other moms, you know, I have an eight-year-old daughter. I talk to other moms and like, people are like, oh, the girl drama, you know, there's like, sure. Yes, there's girl drama, but it doesn't, if we talk about it like that, then we're assuming it's going to happen. And we're assuming it's just because girls are mean somehow, you know, and it's just, it's not
0: that way. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad that you shared that. And thank you so much. I'm so glad you're doing the work that you're doing. You're fantastic.
2: Thank you, Susie. Thanks for having me. You too. Bye. Bye.